goosebumps on my arms weren't from the cold. Although I wish I had managed to grab into something warmer than a hoodie. It was because I wasn't out of the woods yet. Literally or figuratively. The splash and squelch of my shoes against the swamp floor had me panicked and every time I had to bite my lip to stop myself scolding my feet. They could have followed me. I could still hear them whispering in my head. Can you see me? Can you see me? I could see them. Oversized, colourful feet splish, splish, splashing in the blood that they'd drawn. At least in this dull swamp with its greens and browns and greys, the bright white and orange and purple and red and yellow and green and blue, it would stand out if any of them came close. Their features stretched and contorted in mania. I'd never been afraid of clowns before. I need to push on. I can't go back. Everyone's dead. Everyone. I push on. It's strange how two vastly different terrains can exist in one place, isn't it? Maybe this swamp is the oasis that people see in mirages. <laughs> Poor bastards. I saw the sky for the first time in 24 hours, and it was the ugliest beige I'd ever seen. The desert out in front of me seemed to span forever, the colour of brick dust. Were we even on planet Earth anymore? Did I, did I lose track of time and manage to walk to Mars without anyone noticing? See rock formations like buildings spaced out like towns in the distance. The only man-made thing I can see for miles is the road. I'll take it. Time passes so strangely. I could have walked for six minutes or six hours, it wouldn't have made any difference. The scenery, like the same old recycled drawings paving my surroundings. Wait, is that, is that Adam? In the very distance. Adam! Adam, is that you? Sasha! Finally, another face. And not just any face either, one I recognised and liked. I felt a swell of relief as the space between us just didn't exist anymore. <laughs> you survived. Just. And who's this? I noticed a little girl gripping his hand, staring up at me from underneath a mid-brown fringe. Her small body swamped in a pink jumper, Far too big for her. I don't know, Adam looked down at her, jiggling her hand a bit. I found her on my way out. She hasn't spoken a word the whole time. I knelt down. What's your name, lovely? No answer. I'm Sasha. Still no answer. Only a look of acknowledgement in her eyes. Sasha? I didn't answer. 
I just continued looking at this little girl. She must only be, what, three? Sash? Shouldn't a three-year-old be crying or something? Sash, we need to go. Adam's urgent tone forced me to snap out of my thoughts, and I whipped my head around to see two strange things coming towards me over the horizon. They moved in awkward, jerking motions, as if they weren't meant to be moving at all, and as they came closer it wasn't hard to see why. They were both mannequins, of some description. Not really like the ones in shops, more like... stiff less mobile dolls, the kind artists use, only made of some sort of plastic rather than wood. One had its limbs entirely rearranged, a leg where an arm should be, the arm opposite, twisted at an odd angle, one foot replaced by what looked like a wonky shopping wheel, and only the most basic human facial features carved onto its face with no detail, not even on the eyes. Flat, blank spaces, just watching as it limped oddly towards us. The other was properly proportioned, but its face had over-large circles for eyes, as if it wore monstrous goggles, and a mouth sculpted so that it was permanently open in horror, screaming for something or other. Both shuffled closer and closer. It seemed as though they'd be speedier if it wasn't as if whoever created them hadn't had to literally break their limbs in order to get them to move at all. Come on! I picked up the little girl and followed Adam, taking off into the distance. We could outrun them for now, but what about the long term? There was nowhere to hide. We had no idea where we were going. We'd run out of energy eventually. And then what? Hide in the desert? The rocks were too far off. All we could do was carry on along the road. Up ahead! Just off the road! Adam called. Where? Just there! He pointed. There's a shack! Speed up a bit! I looked back. I couldn't see the mannequins but for a small speck behind us. We were doing a good job of outrunning them. Adam struggled with the door. Fuck! He hissed in panic. I held the little girl close. Don't look back. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. I murmured to her. We wrenched the jammed door open. Adam shoved us inside and slammed it shut, diving down and pulling us with him so we wouldn't be seen through the dirty window. We huddled underneath. I pressed the little girl to my chest and gripped Adam's hand tightly. There were only a few shaking breaths we dared to let out. All we could hear was the pounding of our hearts that we couldn't muffle drumming through the air. And the slow, creaking, dragging outside as those monsters made their way past. Adam turned to me, bringing a finger up to his lips in a silent shh gesture as he slowly eased himself up. He peeked out for only a second before collapsing back down with a whispered, shit, eyes wide with horror. What? I whispered. They're right outside. It must have been hours before we dared to move again. I could feel my body becoming stiff, like I was being melded to the flimsy wall. My stomach growled. Do you think it's safe yet? I can't stay here forever. He eases himself up again. I think they're gone. I stand up, gently encouraging the little girl to follow suit. Are you sure? 
I can't see them. With caution, Adam cracks the door open, peering out and then opening further. Back and does to follow. Come on. And so the walk continues. We carried on and on and on, and I wondered if I really did survive. If I hadn't actually died in the massacre. If this wasn't purgatory and I just didn't know it. And maybe Adam being here was some act of pity from God that allowed the clowns to come into our lives and stain everything with blood. What was that in the distance? Up ahead. A tunnel. Constructed from that ridged metal... I forget the name of the stuff, but inside, it was dark. There was nothing at all that could be seen. A void. A black hole. I felt the hesitation from Adam as we walked towards it. We must be getting closer to civilization, he said. But he didn't sound sure. In retrospect, we needn't have walked through. We could have walked around it, but we went right through into the darkness. There wasn't any discernible light in the tunnel, but I could see things clearly anyway. Lines painted on the road. Police tape. Policemen. Chalk outlines on the ground. No one looked up as we crept past. No one seemed to be looking at each other. Officers moved around, observing the scene before them, but no words were exchanged. No eye contact. They might stand close. One might point at something, but... No real interaction. Adam lifted the little girl onto his hip as I approached an officer. Excuse me? No response. I, w I was wondering if... He walks away. As if he hadn't heard me at all. Are we... are we invisible? My eyes fell on a chalk outline, sprawled out. Was that blood? What happened here? Was it a traffic accident, maybe? We haven't seen any vehicles at all. We haven't seen any other people, but here they are. We walked by, cautiously, as if we might wake them up somehow, tiptoeing so they didn't spring to life, until we came to the very distant, very small light at the end of the tunnel. If you were expecting to come out of the tunnel and see more flat, plain, red rocky desert, your expectations were usurped, as were mine. As we reached the edge of the darkness, I squinted and adjusted my eyes to the icy wind that pounced on the three of us as we exited. Snow whipped around, yet another barren landscape, this time ice instead of sand. The beige, the orange, the red tones, all replaced by endless off-white, blue and grey. Again, only a single road, marking at a hint of civilization. I snuggled into my hoodie, now really wishing I'd grabbed something warmer, and hugged myself as Adam lifted the little girl up and buried her head in his chest, trying desperately to shield her from the worst of the blizzard. If any of them had made any noise during the hours that we walked, I didn't hear them. Only the desperate howling of the wind screamed down my ears as we fought against the barrier of the storm. Where did this end? Where did it lead? Were we going to die out here? There's something else in the distance. 
I think it's a building! Up ahead! It might have been a minute. Might have been an hour. Time means nothing in this landscape. But eventually we came to three buildings. Some sort of service station. Petrol station. A garage. And a small roadside supermarket. Void of life. We need to get in! Just for a little while! Adam called. He was right. Nothing appealed to me more right now than shelter. Maybe even food. We could use a telephone here. This could be our salvation. The shop bell went as we entered, but no one came to the counter. No other customers looked up. It's empty. Where is everyone? Dunno. I crept forward, approaching the counter. Leaning over slightly, perhaps to see a cashier or a cleaner. Hello? I called softly and listened. Hello? I raised my voice a little louder and I listened. There's no one here. Adam looked distressed, his hand holding the little girls. Right, he said. We can at least get some food and some water. Look around for blankets, extra clothes, anything. Uh, you try and find a phone. I'll get on that. Right. The building wasn't very large. In fact, it can't have been bigger than the average house. But for some reason, my stomach twisted and I didn't want to leave sight of Adam and the little girl. Even for a moment. Even just to be on the other side of the store. I went round the counter, into the back room. There was a small, battered old sofa, a mini-fridge and a very out-of-date television flickering with bright colours, occasional snatches of sound coming through, broken voices forced through the machine. There had to be a phone somewhere. Ah! I marvelled for a second at the chunky beige plastic with its coiled wire attaching it to the wall. No one's upgraded their technology here in years. I dialed. Hang up. I tried again. Hang up. I tried once more. Hang up. I slammed the phone down, frustrated. Stopped to compose myself for a second before going out to face Adam again. Doesn't seem to work, I stated, strolling out into the shop. Adam looked up from the bundle he was carrying and sighed, handing the bundle to me and putting his hands on his hips. Right, I'm going to look around the garage outside, see if anyone else is around. Be careful, I started, but he was already gone. I crouched down to the little girl, who stared back at me with the same facial expression she'd had since I met her. Blank. Don't worry, I reassured her, or possibly myself. We found shelter at least, and some food. Someone will find us eventually, don't worry. She didn't respond, she only blinked. The shop door went again and Adam stumbled in, slamming the door behind him. There's not a single soul around, he sighed, stamping his feet. Found something that might help us, though. There's a big tanker out there, unlocked, keys in the ignition. Better than walking, at least. And safer. Won't someone come looking for it? I asked. Who? I paused. True. And now probably wasn't the time to start thinking about morality. Look, um, you grab some bags, start shoving in as much stuff as possible. Drinks, cans, everything you can. I'll start stocking up on petrol.
I felt a pang as he left the shop again. What was I so scared of? I suppose there's a lot to be scared of. Come on, I said to the little girl, walking over to the counter to pick up bags. Lugging the full plastic bags of food up to the tanker in gale-force wind was a task and a half, but eventually we managed to fill up most of the back seat, bar one small space where I placed the little girl, strapped her in, where I placed the little girl and strapped her in before climbing up the steps and sitting myself in the passenger seat. Adam climbed into the driver's seat and placed the key into the ignition, the grumble and roar of the engine to life like a great beast, wondering who dare disturb it. All right, he mumbled. You ready? Yeah. You all right back there? He turned and called to the little girl behind us. She didn't answer. Let's go then. Out into the icy wasteland.